The following program is a production of Chilling Entertainment and the creative team at Chilling Tales for Dark Nights and a proud member of the Simply Scary Podcast Network. Visit simplyscarypodcast.com to learn more about this and our other weekly storytelling programs and become a patron today to show your support and get instant access to our extensive archive of downloadable ad-free tales of terror. Thank you for listening. And enjoy the show. The darkness has found you. Welcome to Season 5, Episode 3. I'm your host, Jason Hill. And what a night, friends. What a night. Oh, I am indeed in a rare mood. Yes! Ah! Yes! <sighs> Y'all know why I'm pumped tonight? I am pumped because Dale and Earl just came trucking to town. Then they brought beer. Cheapish beer, but beer. So, uh, we must tarry not. Mr. Kevin David Anderson, I leave them to you. Oh, and uh, BT dubs, this one's kind of long, so we're going to break it up. Uh-huh. So listen to the end of this one. And then next week, the next one. By the by, if you fancy a special version of this intro that's a bit shorter and not quite so stupid, consider becoming a patron. Yeah, five bucks a month. Not much. No ads. More stories by me and Otis Gyre. Otis, please ignore that animal noise. I'm practicing my accents. But um Check and mate. Your move, Gyre. Remember in the Queen's Gambit that when she was like Texted you and was like, God, what a good line. And you're like, eh. I remember it. 
I just want Otis to respect me because I, I just, I work hard and, and like, he's like, your accents suck. Like, nobody's perfect, man. And it was like, <laughs> he didn't really say that actually. We, um, we don't actually talk that much, but we're great admirers of each other's work. Really great admirers. Oof. Is it getting hot in here or is it just you? Now, allow me to escort you to a place where this. Oh god. The darkness has found you. And now, without further ado, from author Kevin David Anderson, I give you The Applicant, Part One. Light the damn fire! Earl shouted behind Dale. Dale turned around so fast he almost pulled a neck muscle. Oh, crap, Dale said, as he watched Earl run toward him up the alley, boots slapping the pavement, belly bouncing like a blubber tsunami, and both arms raised straight up over his head, white-knuckled hands holding on to the creature for dear life. That's bigger than the other ones, Dale yelled. You really think I didn't know that? Earl screamed as he ran. Damn thing tried to face hug me! Dale dug into his pocket, searching for the damn lighter. As he searched, he kept glancing back at Earl, fast stepping it his way, and for just a moment, it seemed like his friend was moving in slow motion, like Pam Anderson in the opening credits of Baywatch, only about a hundred thousand times less attractive. Well, give or take a thousand. Good Lord, help me! Jesus! Earl shouted. Dale found the lighter and turned back toward the dumpster just as a jointed appendage shot up at his face from inside. He had a split second to see it coming and dodged, but the hellish limb didn't seem to mind missing Dale's face and slapped down hard, coiling around his neck. Goddamn some bitch! Stop playing with that thing and light it up! Earl hollered. The slap of his heavy boots getting closer. I am doing the best that I can, Dale said between clenched teeth. He grabbed the outstretched appendage at his throat and squeezed, while flicking the lighter again and again with the other hand. The plastic dollar fifty-nine lighter was near the end of its life, and Dale flicked over and over, but there was nothing but dangerously unsatisfying sparks. Goddamn truck stop piece of shit! Get out of the way! Earl shouted behind him. Finally, Dale found joy. The little truck stop lighter had one last flame, and it burned brightly. Without aiming, Dale tossed it toward the dumpster, hoping to God he'd put enough accelerant in. Before he could see if he'd hit the mark, something, or someone, hit him in the back like a freight train. Dale careened into the dumpster and bounced off its metal frame. His feet went out from under him, and he had no time to prepare for the unforgiving pavement. Dale landed ass down 
flat on his back. Looking up in a late afternoon sky, slowly bleeding into twilight on a day that had started out pretty damn nice. A few hours ago, there was no way Dale would have predicted that he'd find himself lying in the back alley pavement in considerable back and ass pain round the corner from his new digs. No, the day had definitely started out much calmer. Dale had gotten into their place early, had his coffee, no sugar, no creamer, harder than hell, just the way it should be. He spent the morning straightening up their new business establishment and even gotten some work on his rig, cleaned a filter, changed some fluids. All in all, a nice, peaceful morning. But as the afternoon hours came around, Dale got a sinking feeling. Not the feeling of impending doom, imminent danger, or just good old-fashioned horror and dread. That usually came after midnight, Dale was well equipped to handle that. No, this feeling was mostly about having to do something he just did not want to do. Normally, Dale just didn't do the things he didn't want to do. No one ever raised an objection, especially not Dale. But now that his partnership with his friend and fellow trucker, Earl, was official, his life, especially the business aspects, was now about compromise. Dale hated compromising. Compromising meant concessions, and concessions meant that Dale had to do shit he did not want to do. But it didn't mean he couldn't complain about it, which he did. Do we really need to do this? Dale said, as the clock on the wall slowly clicked toward 1pm. Earl rolled a chair over to the table. We've already talked about it. No, you talked about it. How many jobs have we already lost because no one's been here taking care of business? We need somebody answering phones, filing paperwork, maintaining the books, and keeping up things. All that little crap you and I ain't good at. Or just don't want to do, Dale said. Well, where is that? Besides, we need a buffer. A buffer? Dale raised his brow. Between you, your personality... Our future clients! Oh, so that's how it is now. Not even going to try to cloak your insults? Just going to be straight up hurtful? Yep, Earl said. Want to save me a heap of time? I'm good with clients. Didn't I just set up that job two weeks ago? Earl stopped what he was doing, tossed the folders in his hands on the table, and glared at Dale. Are you patting yourself on the back for that run-up to Canada? Dale folded his arms and nodded. We caused an international incident and nearly died. Several times. In unpleasant ways, I might add. If you're going to nitpick everything I do, maybe I won't talk to clients. Earl arranged the folders on the table. You promise? Okay, fine. But do we really need a full-time office manager? Dale said, looking around. I mean, this is barely an office. Remember what you said when I showed you this place? Earl rolled another chair toward the table. You said it has potential. Dale's smile widened. I was talking about you. Stop being a jackass and go get another chair. Fine. Maybe we can find someone to spell check your logbook. <laughs> That'd be a big help. Earl grunted and pointed to the door. More chair getting, less jackass being. 
Dale strolled out of the little conference room in the second story of their new building to hunt for another chair. The two-story structure had been vacant for a year, but smelled as if it had been abandoned for ten. Critters of all types had made their home into what had been a wholesale furniture store. Dale and Earl took possession of the facility a few weeks ago and had been chasing and hunting the building's four-legged residents a fair amount of the time. With the varmints mostly gone, the aroma lingered. A year's worth of critter leavings had given the building a special scent that the real estate agent had called earthy. It wasn't the natural aroma that summoned Dale, it was the location, set smack dab in the middle of the long beach in Los Angeles Harbor. It was in the ideal spot to pick up business. Between the two ports, they hoped to find enough work hauling freshly arrived goods from coast to shining coast. And, if that didn't pan out, then the business went belly up. The building was big enough to live in. The bottom floor had been the furniture showroom, a huge warehouse-sized space that could easily house both the trailers, both the cabs, extra trailers, and still have room for Dale's 69 Impala that he vowed to someday bring back to life. There was even a huge bathroom with showers that could easily service a minor league baseball team. Dale stopped at an office window that looked out onto the showroom floor below. Needed work. Lots of work. But it would do. Yep. It was a good piece of real estate. Worth every cent of Dale's considerable savings he had tucked away. And he was glad he allowed Earl to talk him into this. But he wasn't going to tell Earl that. Wouldn't want it to go to his head. Dale found a chair and rolled it back to the conference room. It was a nice-sized room, furnished, and Dale could imagine poorly-dressed furniture salespeople having their weekly meeting at the ten-foot-long wooden table. Stale donuts and yesterday's coffee in the corner. Earl tossed a small stack of resumes on the table. Are you ready to do this? I think I've already answered no. Oh, come on, Dale, man up. It's time for this twosome to become a threesome. Jesus, Earl, don't say things like that. You're gonna get us sued. Earl looked out the window. I do believe our first applicant's here. I'll go fetch him. Earl pulled out a chair. You sit right here and try to beat what? Dale said. Earl moved toward the door. Um, less like yourself. Dale snickered. Well, who should I be? Earl walked out and yelled back. Someone people like. Damn, Dale thought. That's just straight up hurtful. Apartments.com has more pet-friendly rental listings than anywhere else, so finding the perfect place is easier than ever, and so is finally moving in together. Just the two of you. It's a big step. Lots of new responsibilities. Lots of adjustments. Most likely, they'll wake you up at odd hours to go to the bathroom, and you'll most definitely find yourself in trouble coming home late for dinner. They might even unroll all your toilet paper next time. It's just what happens when you two find a new place together, but you're not doing it because you feel like it. No, you're doing it because you love them, because they're family. 
And that's why Apartments.com has the most pet-friendly rental listings on the internet, so that you and your furry family can find the perfect new place together. Apartments.com, the place to find a pet-friendly place. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Interview number one. Sitting across from Earl and Dale in the conference room was a casually dressed young woman. Elbows on the table, smartphone in hand. So, Miss, um, Calvary, Dale said, says here you're a recent graduate with an associate's degree from junior college. No. No, you didn't graduate? No. I didn't go to some junior college. I went to community college. She leaned forward. It's like a real college? Uh, I, uh, I know it is, Dale said. Junior college and community college are the same thing. Well, I know where I spent the last five years, and it weren't no junior college. The woman's phone chirped. She looked at it and smiled. Excuse me, I need to hit my girl back. She started texting. Dale leaned close to Earl and whispered, This is physically painful. Earl folded his arms. Yep. When the woman stopped texting and finally looked back up, Dale said, Thanks for stopping by. Interview number two. I'll start this one. Earl said to Dale as the young man, slightly obese, slouched in the seat across from them, eyes downcast at his phone. Earl eyed the resume. So, Dennis, looks like you're very computer and tech savvy. There was no response from the young man, but his fingers danced across his smartphone. Uh, I said, you seem right. Earl's phone chirped. He reached in his shirt pocket and pulled it out. He frowned, then showed it to Dale, who read the text aloud. Yes, I have three years of IT experience, and I'm working on a degree in computer science. Okay, Earl said. Do you, uh, have any bookkeeping experience? Dennis started typing. Earl's phone chirped, and he read the text aloud. No, not really, but I've been mining cryptocurrency like a mad dog. Yo, smiley face. Earl sighed. 
You know, this job involves a fair amount of talking, Dale said. After a pause, he added, To people. Dennis started texting, hit send, then got up. Earl's phone chirped. He read the text. Then you really should put that in the ad. Dennis out. Huh? By the time Earl was finished reading, Dennis had left. Well, damn, Dale said. We never got to ask him about his people skills. Interview number three. Dale looked at the applicant's resume. So, Jeremy, it looks like you've had a couple jobs after high school. Many of them in office environment. The thin, nicely dressed man, shirt tucked in, hair combed perfectly, sat forward in his chair and looked like he was about to speak. When the woman that had come in with him, standing behind him but hadn't yet spoke, answered for him. Jeremy hasn't worked in an office, but he is a fast learner, very astute. He picks up things faster than most other boys. He was walking at six months. Isn't that amazing? Uh-huh, Dale said. Earl cleared his throat. <clears throat> Ma'am, who uh, are you exactly? The woman, twice Jeremy's age, said, I am his mother and his number one reference. And why, Dale said, why are you here? To make sure that my Jeremy gets fair consideration. Many of his stellar qualities don't always shine through in an interview. Dale looked at Jeremy and could tell this was as painful for the young man as it was for Dale. Is that true, Jeremy? Do you have stellar qualities? Of course he does, Jeremy's mother said, pointing at his resume. He was president of his Dungeons and Dragons club in high school. That shows leadership qualities. He is a born leader. Dale gazed at Jeremy. Does the born leader talk? Of course he does, she said. Once you get him started, he'll talk your ear off. She patted Jeremy's shoulder. Go ahead, honey. Jeremy sighed. Mom? Dale held up a finger. Excuse me a moment. I need to consult my associate. Dale leaned over toward Earl. I'm going to go take a leap. When I get back, if Mr. Bourne later and his mom are still here, I am going to throw them and you out a window. You won't have to throw me, Earl said. I'll jump. Interview number four. Dale stared at the empty chair on the other side of the table. How long are we going to sit here and wait for? He glanced down at the resume. Arnell Phillips to arrive. Just a few more minutes. Not everyone is real in the time and schedule and such. Anyhow, gives me the chance to show you our new merchandising. Merchandising? Dale raised an unkempt eyebrow. When did we get merchandising? Since our new marketing director got busy. And who the hell is our marketing director? It's me, jackass. I'm the marketing director. 
At the last company meeting, I was voted into the position. It was unanimous. You weren't there. <sighs> okay, marketing director. What have you got? Well, I got pens with our name and phone number printed right on them. And a bunch of bookmarks with our picture. Dale took one of the pens. Felt good in his burly fingers. Okay, pens are nice. But uh, why do we need bookmarks? Earl shook his head and tossed a few on the table. Not sure. They're on sale. But wait, there's more. Earl said in a late night infomercial voice. I've saved the best for last. Earl slapped a foam beer cozy in front of Dale. Now this, I like. Dale said, picking up the foam beer can holder. He spied the logo. Hey, you changed it. What do you mean? I thought we agreed to go with Dale and Earl trucking. You know, D&E. Earl shook his head. I'm sorry, Dale. The marketing director overruled that and went with E&D trucking. He thought it was better alphabetical. Dale and Earl is alphabetical. Well, I wouldn't argue with the new marketing director. He's a pretty big guy. But he'll kick your ass. The door to the conference room opened and a young man wearing a t-shirt and tight black jeans stepped in. He pulled out his earbuds and said, Is uh, this E&D trucking? It's D and E trucking, but yes, Dale said. Are you uh, Arnell Phillips? That's me. Your interview was at three o'clock. Dale looked at his watch. That was uh, 27 minutes ago. Oh, did you mean like, like three, three? Like a, like a hard three o'clock? You know, like right on the button? Dale let out a long sigh. Thank you for stopping by. The young man looked confused. What does that mean? Dale pointed to the door. It means go buy yourself a damn watch. Interview number five. Dale looked through the resumes on the table. Miss Jade, is it? No, just Jade. Is that your last name? No last name, just Jade. It's called, she made finger quotes, branding. Earl slapped Dale's shoulder. You know, like share. I got it, Earl, Dale said. So, Jade, I can't seem to find your resume. She scoffed and scrolled on her phone, long nails clicking on the glass. Well, you're not going to find it in that stack of old-timey papers. Jeez, hate the planet much? Dale held up his hands. Well, where is it? It's a vine. Uh, what? I sent you, like, all the links. TikTok, Instagram Reels, YouTube, hello. Dale and Earl exchanged confused looks. But I guess, Jade continued, I could post it on Facebook for you olds. She spun around in her chair, putting her back to them, held up her phone, made duck lips, and threw some sort of hand sign. Smile, guys. Interview selfie. Landing a job, yo. Making that money. Click. She spun back to face them. That is so going up now. 
Dale and Earl were speechless. Jade looked up from her phone. Since we're talking money, is that salary range you advertised flexible? I'm just saying, if you expect me to come in two or three days a week, I'm gonna need a raise. Terry Williams walked into the conference room, shut the door behind her, and before taking her seat, reached across the table and held out her hand. Pleasure to meet you. Good start, Dale thought. He took her olive-skinned hand and received a firm handshake. As she turned to greet Earl, Dale caught a hint of perfume. Not overpowering, more expensive, but uh, pleasant. Her tall frame, a whisker's length under six foot, was dressed in solid-colored business attire, skirt, jacket, modest blouse. Nothing fancy, a working woman's outfit, as firm and practical as her handshake. On paper, Miss Williams was impressive, a degree in business administrations. She had interned at a law firm as clerk and executive assistant. She moved on, holding two other positions as office managers, one at a real estate agency and one at a foreign car dealership. But there were at least two items on her resume that concerned Dale, and instead of going through all her education and experience, compounded with how the day had gone so far, he thought he would just cut to the chase. Miss William, you're very qualified, but more so than we need. Taking a gander at your previous salary, I want to be straight with you. We aren't looking to pay someone close to what you were previously earning. She smiled. I understand completely, and I'm not seeking a salary that goes beyond what you advertised. Not expecting that answer, or to be interviewing someone with her qualifications, Dale nodded and said, Fair enough. I didn't see any office equipment when I walked in. If you were just getting set up, I could recommend hardware and bookkeeping software you're going to need to make things run as they should. I've had quite a bit of experience in purchasing, especially around an office. Dale smiled. She was offering to solve problems they didn't even know they had. We got the fax machine, Earl said. At least that's what I think it is. I got the coffee maker on it at the moment. William smiled and Dale was liking her more every minute. But before they got too deep, he knew he needed to ask about the other thing. A gaping hole in her resume that seemed to be a red flag. Sourcing out some business technology is something we'll most definitely need help with, but Miss Williams, there is at least two and a half year gap between now and when you left your last job. Williams' smile faded like the daylight at sunset. Her fingers intertwined, and for the first moment, she seemed uncomfortable. Dale knew that a gap like that, especially with someone with her qualifications, usually meant something dishonest had occurred. Dale's Uncle Ray got caught with his hands in the till, just once, when he couldn't find legal employment for near a decade. Have you been working these past few years? Dale said. She nodded. Just odd jobs, a few temp agencies, nothing worth putting on a resume. May I ask you why you left your last position? She sat up straight. I was discharged. They cited work performance as the official reason. Dale raised an eyebrow. But that wouldn't it? She shook her head. No, no, it, um, 
The conference room door came open and everyone's head turned. Dale couldn't see the reason the door had opened, nor where the tiny voice came from. Color! Color! The squeaky voice said. Dale rose in his chair, peering over the table. Holding the door open, standing a few inches below the handle, was a girl. Brown eyes as big as an anime character, maybe five years old, give or take a month. Color! She repeated. Williams moved fast. In a second, she was at the door. I told you to wait in the hall, Cassie. Please, I will be done in just a little bit. Williams turned back to Earl and Dale as she started to scoot the child back toward the hall. I am sorry I left her coloring books in the car. No problem, Earl said. Bring her on in. Earl stood and pulled over a folded chair that wasn't big enough to hold Dale or Earl's girth, but was quite perfect for their new guest. He opened it, scooched it to the table, then stepped over to several boxes, all marked Earl's office. He popped one's lid, pulled out a stack of coloring books and a tub full of very used crayons. He set them on the table as the young girl moved toward the chair. Dale eyed the girl as she approached and took a seat. She moved awkwardly, arms stiff at her side. Her head leaned a little to the left, and one of her knees didn't seem to bend as well as its partner's. Color, Daddy, color, she said, and reached for the coloring book on top of the stack. It had ninja turtles riding in a van on the cover. Earl pulled the lid from the tub, and the girl did not wait for an invitation. Her stiff arm thrust her hand straight in. Color! Miss Williams hesitantly returned to her seat. Oh, thank you. That's very kind. She looked at the stack of coloring books, well-worn and used. She turned back to Dale. Are there other children here in the office? Earl and Dale both said, No. Oh, Williams said, her olive brow furrowed, seemingly unsure how to process that. So, Miss Williams, Dale said, you were saying about why you left your last position at the dealership? Yes, she said in a voice that was clearly on edge. Dale didn't know if it was the sudden appearance of her girl in what seemed to be a very important interview to her, or if it was the subject matter that caused the tremor in her voice. She glanced over again at her child one more time before she answered. I needed some leave for a medical issue. And they were not very accommodating. Dale said, glancing over at the little girl. Her head twitched and her eyelids blinked without rhythm. It was obvious the kid was on the spectrum. Dale's own son had made friends in preschool with several such young ones so afflicted, and he had always felt for parents that had to deal with an entirely different set of circumstances than most. No, Miss Williams said. They were not accommodating. I'm no human resources guru. Dale said, but it seems legally complicated to let someone go because of a health condition. They said it was an elected procedure, and their health insurance was not going to cover it. So they trumped up some work performance issues, and... Color, Daddy, color! The girl said. Not now, sweetie, Miss Williams said to her daughter. Well, that's when they let me go, she said. They even refused to sign off on my unemployment. I haven't had a steady job since. Dale knew there was some piece still missing, and it was annoying the hell out of him that he could not figure out what it was. She was smart. She was qualified. 
Why would anyone let her go because of a medical issue? He glanced down at the references in her resume. Anyone on here willing to back up your story? Earl looked up from his coloring book. Dale. Dale looked at his partner. It's called due diligence, Earl. When some folks call it being a jackass. Earl returned, then looked at the girl. Sorry about my language. Color, Daddy, color, she replied. Williams put her palms flat on the table and in an assertive tone said, Here is what you want to know, not that it is any of your business. I was born Terence Williams, and that is why I was let go. That took Dale by surprise, and his mind flooded with questions. Questions that were none of his goddamn business. They fired you because you changed your name, Earl said. Well, that don't make no kind of sense. Shit, Dale thought. He looked over at Earl, who was slowly catching up like a one-legged man in the hundred-meter dash. Then, suddenly, Earl's eyes widened, and Dale imagined a giant light bulb coming on over Earl's enormous head. Oh. Oh. Earl said, I know. I mean, I get it. He snapped his fingers. Earl, mind your manners, Dale said. She's, um, oh, what you call it? Earl, it don't matter none. Dale reached out for Earl's arm, hoping to God to get him to stop talking. But it was too late. She's one of them gender transfers. Dale's head sunk, and he closed his eyes tight. Oh, Lord. He wished he knew some magic spell that would transport him far, far away. Any place would do. The DMV. His ex-wife's house. Or even hogtied over an inferno of flesh-scented hellfire. Any place that was not this room. He opened his eyes slowly and looked up, expecting to see Miss Williams in an angered or emotional state. And rightly so. Maybe even standing grabbing hold of her child and moving to the door, getting ready to holler about all the ways she was going to sue them. But none of that was there. Instead, he saw the woman struggling to contain laughter. Her lips were tight, and she bounced in her seat, leaning forward, arms wrapped around her midsection. Oh, thank the Lord, Dale thought as he smiled. A goddamn sense of humor. William's hand moved up to cover her mouth, but it was too late. Laughter escaped between her fingers. In the last few years, I've been called a lot of things, but that is a new one. What I say? Earl said. Dale put a hand on Earl's shoulder. You're just me and you, and it doesn't appear that Miss Williams takes offense. Well, that's good, because I have questions, Earl said. I'm pretty much made of questions right now. Earl, Dale said firmly, are any of those questions appropriate to ask someone that you just met? Earl thought on it for a moment. Um, no, he finally said. I expect not. All right then, why don't you go back to work there and I'll keep things moving forward. Fine. Earl picked up a brown crayon and turned his attention back to Scooby-Doo. Feeling a wave of relief, Dale turned back to Miss Williams. Well, 
Besides bringing someone for Earl to play with, which is a plus in your corner, you have a sense of humor. Anyone that is going to spend time here is going to need one. I don't think Cassie and me could have gotten through the last few years without one. Dale gave her a firm look. Shall we continue? William smiled and nodded. Of course. So, you're saying your employment was terminated? Dale wasn't sure how to phrase it. When you, um... When I filed the paperwork and put in for my transfer, yes. She mercifully finished for Dale, then let loose with another round of laughter, which Dale joined in on. What is so damn funny? Earl said. Color, Daddy, color! The girl said, as her head twitched. Dale swallowed a laugh and eyed the little girl. If I'm not being too personal... I think we crossed that bridge a mile back, William said. Um, it's true enough, Dale said. May I ask how old she is? She just turned seven last month, William said, looking pridefully at Cassie. Seven, Dale thought. He was thinking four, five max. A seven-year-old should be at least one or two juice boxes taller. Dale knew it was out of bounds to ask, but like his friend Earl, sometimes he couldn't help himself. Is she, um, doing all right? William's smile thinned and her lips momentarily compressed before she answered. She's on the spectrum, and that's what they're calling it. Seems no one wants to say autistic anymore. Going on two years now. Dale sat up. She wasn't always... Wait, something happened two years ago? Williams nodded slightly, her eyes becoming glassy. I swear, I'm not an anti-vaxxer. I always thought those folks were crazy, but I can't deny the timing of it all. Dale leaned forward but said nothing, hoping his silence would encourage her to continue. It did. When she was five, she was running and playing with the other kids, speaking in full sentences, telling terrible jokes she learned from her mama. But that all changed after her five-year checkup and vaccination shots. In a few days, she started moving different. Her head twitched and she lost all her words. Only says color and daddy now. A tear rolled down one cheek. Her entire personality changed right before my eyes. Well, that must have been a hard thing to go through, Dale said, turning his attention to the girl. The way she had her neck bent as she colored was unnatural. It was almost as if... Miss Williams, did she get vaccinated at a pediatrician's office? Well, of course, back when we had health care. Big place, Dale asked. In the city, lots of kids. Miss Williams narrowed her gaze at Dale. Yes. It was a two-story building in Thousand Oaks. They occupied the home building. A dozen pediatricians, always lots of kids. Is this part of the interview? Earl stopped coloring and looked over at Dale. I don't like that look. Dale dug in his pocket for his keys. What look? The one on your face that says you got a notion, Earl said. Your notions are never good. Go back to work, Dale said, pulling out his keys. Try to stay in the lines. Color, color, the girl said, pushing the tub of crayons toward Earl. 
Miss Williams said something, but Dale didn't catch it. He was really focused on the girl, which was probably unnerving Williams, but Dale had to check something out. Ever since the girl had found her way in here, Dale felt something was off. Autism aside, it was more the way she moved. It was off-center, labored, like when furniture movers are lugging a box full of books. They could carry the weight, but adjustments in posture and movement had to be made. Dale rotated the keyring in his hand, letting all the keys dangle down, while he grabbed what most might guess was a small magnifying glass. To those that knew better, it was a god's eye. The handle was pure silver, and it attached the keyring like any other key. There was a form-fitting sheath over the rounded top, and Dale removed it, revealing the small circular piece of stained glass, an inch in diameter, looking like a crimson-tinted monocle with a handle. As Dale was bringing it up to his eye, William said in the tone of any parent beginning to become alarmed, What are you doing? Dale placed the bizarre monocle over one eye and gazed through it at the girl. He had hoped that he was wrong. Hoped his intuition, mixed with decades worth of unholy knowledge and experience, would just be plain off today. No such luck. Damn. Through the god's eye, he could see a creature. He gazed at the slimy, jointed digits poking out from the girl's shirt. Its grotesque, external lungs moved up and down under a thick and scaly shell. God damn it, Dale thought. It had been living off of this little girl for two years, and it wouldn't be long before it killed her. And just when Dale thought it couldn't get any worse, it did. One of its sets of eyes on its arachnid head looked right at Dale. In an instant, he knew that it knew it was being watched. And that usually meant that Cassie had run out of time. Two of the creature's slender digits moved up and wrapped around the girl's neck as the gill-like openings on its length began to quiver. No one in the room could hear it, but the vibrating gills were the thing's alarm going off. A high-pitched shriek that was probably giving every dog in the neighborhood a splitting headache. Cassie screamed and reached up to protect her throat. Oh shit, Dale said. Earl, get her up on the table. What? Earl said. Who on the table? The girl! On her stomach! Now! Cassie writhed backward, clearly struggling to breathe. Earl scooped her small frame up and placed her on the table right on top of the coloring books. She gasped and kicked out, her Dora the Explorer sneakers smacking Earl's enormous belly. One foot bounced off his rolls and careened into the tub, sending crayons everywhere. What are you doing? William shouted and attempted to remove Earl's hands from her daughter. Get your redneck hands off of her! Dale was grateful William's focused on Earl. It allowed him to unfold his buck knife. He needed both hands for this, so he had to put down the god's eye, which again made it impossible to see the creature. 
but Dale had a pretty good idea where to cut. Grasping at the girl's neck, he felt for the strangulating digit seizing her throat. He found one, cold, slick, bony. He put the blade under a knuckle and sliced. No! William screamed. From her point of view, it must have looked like Dale was cutting her daughter's throat. She reached across the table and punched Dale in the jaw. A good one, too. By no means a sissy punch. Dale was unmoved. He grew impatient waiting for the blade to do its work, so he grabbed one side of the digit and pulled. It severed with a sickening snap. A snap that everyone could hear over Cassie's gasps for air. What the hell was that? Earl said. It ain't done yet, Dale shouted. Hold her! Please stop! William shouted and struck Earl across the face, his puffy cheek turning red. The demon parasite bled all over Dale's hand. Its hot fluids touching Dale's skin reeked like two-day-old roadkill. But as it seeped into his pores, it allowed Dale to see the thing. Not clearly, just a shimmering outline. There you are, Dale said, tossing the knife and reaching down with his bare hands. One long digit still coiled around her neck and its dual tentacle tails trying to wrap around Cassie's waist. He grabbed one tentacle and ripped. It came free of the body like pulling off a crab leg. Blood covered his forearm and he tossed the tentacle. The more of the creature's blood that splattered him, the more of it he could see. Dale saw it clearly now and could hear it scream. Dale grinned as he reached in again. He was vaguely aware of William shouting and hitting Earl and trying to pull her daughter from the big man's grasp. Cassie's face was changing color. It's now or never, Dale thought. He thrust one hand under its protective shell and grasped one of its lungs, ready to squeeze the life from it. With the other hand, he got a good grip on the remaining digit around Cassie's neck. This was going to hurt the girl but the momentary pain would be far better than what this demon parasite had in mind for Cassie. This is it, Dale said to Earl. What's it? Earl returned as he endured another blow from Williams. Just hold her. Dale took a breath, squeezed the lung, and pulled hard. Cassie screamed. Jesus! Earl hollered. The creature came away in Dale's hands. Its vertical mouth of teeth on its underbelly tore Cassie's shirt and the skin around where it had latched on. Williams leaned toward her daughter as Cassie's hand violently flailed out, catching Williams in the face. The blow sent her back, and she stumbled to the floor. Cassie's screams quieted and were reduced to soft sobs. Earl removed his hands and stepped away. Williams got to her feet and Cassie rolled herself over on the table. The little girl reached up for her neck and moved her hands up and down her back. There were teeth marks, blood, a torn shirt, but nothing else there. For the first time since walking into the conference room, and maybe for two years, she smiled. Gone? She said. What did you say, baby? William said. 
Cassie turned toward Williams. It's all gone, Daddy. All gone. What's gone, baby? She scooped Cassie up in her arms and started moving toward the door. Miss Williams! I need to show you something, Dale said. She didn't stop. I don't give a shit what you have to show me. And why would she? Two very large rednecks had just attacked her daughter. She didn't know why, or even seemed to care. The only thing she cared about, what any good parent would care about, was getting her child to safety. Earl, don't let him leave! Dale just needed her to calm down and take a look through the god's eye at the thing squirming in his hands. Earl moved in front of the door. Look, I don't know exactly what was going on, but if my partner needs you to see something, you really should... Miss Williams kicked forward with her pumps. Her foot went high and fast and hit its target, catching Earl right in the batteries. Oh, Jesus! Earl said, slumping back onto the door, the room's only exit. Williams had intended to get Earl out of the way, but unintentionally created an immovable redneck avalanche now blocking her escape. In her angered and protective state, Dale didn't think Miss Williams was going to calm down enough to take a gander through the god's eye, and judging by the very pained expression on Earl's face, he was sure his friend could not bear another blow to his now swelling manhood. Oh, Lord, Earl grimaced. I think she broke one. With the volatility of the situation, Dale was left with but one option, and not a good one. God damn it. He knew that these things reveal themselves when they latch on, so he did the only thing he could. Miss Williams, Dale said. Holding Cassie to her chest, she turned to face Dale. Miss Williams, just, uh, just watch right here. Dale took a deep breath and moved his forearm under the vertical teeth of the squirming parasite. Come on, you piece of shit, come get some. Two pincers shot out from under its head and grasped Dale's wrist, pulling its body onto Dale's arm. He grimaced as the teeth sunk into his flesh. Mother pus bucket! Dale was about 75% sure this would work, but as he looked at Miss Williams' unchanged expression, anger and fear rolling her features, he started to adjust his estimate down. 65, maybe 50% sure. Then, suddenly, her eyes went wide. You've been listening to part one of The Applicant by author Kevin David Anderson. For part two and the conclusion to The Applicant, do tune in again next week. The Applicant was written by and presented courtesy of Kevin David Anderson. Anderson's debut novel, The Geeky Cult Zombie Romp, Night of the Living Trekkies, is a funny, offbeat novel exploring the pop culture carnage that ensues when the undead crash a Star Trek convention. His latest book, Midnight Men, The Supernatural Adventures of Earl and Dale, hey, I know those guys, was inspired by the short story Green Eyes and Chili Dogs, produced by yours truly, Jason Hill, and heard on my own YouTube channel, 
and on the Simply Scary Podcast Season 3, Episode 6. Anderson's stories have appeared in over a hundred publications and on fantastic podcasts such as The Drabblecast, Pseudopod, The No Sleep Podcast, Horror Hill, and The Simply Scary Podcast. In addition, he is an active member of the Horror Writers Association and currently works in special education. For more information on him, visit kevindavidanderson.com. If you enjoyed what you've heard on today's program, please take a moment to stop by our iTunes page or wherever else you listen to your favorite podcasts and leave us a five-star review and a kind word. It makes a huge difference and would mean a lot to me. If you'd like to hear more lengthy tales, be sure to take a look at my audiobooks, available now on audible.com. If you'd like to hear a premium, ad-free edition of tonight's and all our other episodes, visit simplyscarypodcast.com today and click the Patrons link in the menu at the top of the screen. You'll find yourself at chillingtalesfordarknights.com where you can become a patron for as little as $5 per month and get access to our entire audio archive dating back to 2012, including past episodes of this program, all of our other shows, and hundreds of standalone releases, all of them ad-free and available to download or stream. If you happen to use Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or YouTube, you can follow and subscribe to Chilling Tales for Dark Nights there, where you'll get all of our latest updates and new releases and have the chance to interact with us each and every week. You'll find me personally on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. Until next week, listener, when we meet up once again atop the Horror Hill for yet another Dance with Darkness. I bet you good night. Sleep tight, listener. And whatever you do, if you hear scratching at your door, don't open it. The darkness may have found you, but it's up to you to let it in. You've been listening to Horror Hill, a production of Chilling Entertainment and the creative team at Chilling Tales for Dark Nights, as well as a proud member of the Simply Scary Podcast Network. Visit simplyscarypodcast.com today to learn more about our network and our other amazing storytelling programs. Tonight's program was hosted and its featured stories performed by yours truly, Jason Hill unless otherwise noted. Selected stories have been adapted with the kind permission of their respective authors. Sound design, original music, and final mixing and mastering provided by Felipe Ojeda under the guidance of executive producer and director Craig Groshek. The program's logo was created by Craig Groshek, and this week's artwork provided by Omega Black, unless otherwise noted. Got a scary tale of your own that you'd like performed? I take submissions. Email it to me today at horrorhill at simplyscarypodcast.com to have your terrifying tome considered for production in a future episode of the show. If you enjoyed what you've heard on tonight's program and are joining us on your favorite podcast app, subscribe to us to be sure you never miss an episode and leave us a five-star review and a comment. 
Your feedback means a lot to me. You can also follow Chilling Tales for Dark Nights and Horror Hell on Facebook to connect anytime and get the latest updates. If you're listening on the Chilling Tales for Dark Nights YouTube channel, do us a favor and hit the subscribe button and the bell notification icon to get more spooky tales from me and the crew and another episode of this program each and every week. And don't forget to hit that thumbs up button to tell us how we're doing and leave a kind word or request. If you can never get enough spooky stories and can't wait until next week for more and haven't already, be sure to check out Chilling Tales for Dark Nights on YouTube for hundreds of free audio horror stories, including more performances from yours truly, and consider supporting us by becoming a patron at ChillingTalesForDarkNights.com. In addition to helping us out, you'll get exclusive access to our audio archive and ad-free downloads of all your favorite stories, including those you've heard on this program. As for me, I'll be back next week with more frightening fiction to haunt your dreams. Until next time, I'm Jason Hill, and you've been listening to the Horror Hill Podcast. Good evening, and sweet dreams. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.